AI is here to stay. Now, the question is, how can we use it to our advantage? At the moment, I can't give you an answer. All I can see is the wizardry of technology slowly replacing what would take an individual 10,000 hours to learn, to understand, and eventually master. I can tell you one thing. AI will never be able to fan a deck of cards as smoothly as I can or, <laughs> or, or, or deal a royal flush. <laughs> Welcome to Million Dollar Flip Flops, the podcast that invites you on a transformative journey diving deep into the minds of thought leaders, game changers, and business builders from around the world. We explore pivotal moments, motivations, challenges conquered, and the inspiration that fuels their success. Guiding you on this journey is none other than Roderick Lenhart, a multi-seven-figure business owner, number one best-selling author, international speaker, and certified business coach. Time to buckle up, because here we go. Hey guys, I just got off an amazing call with my friend Michael Vincent in London. Michael's a magician, he's a photographer, but most of all, he is a brilliant human being. And every time I get a chance to speak with Michael, um, I'm just blown away by his outlook on all things life. Um, I consider myself fortunate that he's now a good friend and how we met was through Instagram. It was just a random DM one day uh, about how we could connect and turns out we had a ton in common and turns out I was going to be in London five days later and said, hey buddy, are you around? And he met me, uh, Nicole and I at our hotel. I was shortly after book launch and he did all of our headshots. So anything you see on my website or otherwise that looks like a professional did it and wasn't on an iPhone, that was Michael. So I know you guys are going to love our talk. Um, there's just, there's so much, there's so many nuggets in there. There's so many value bombs and uh, he's one of those guys you could just talk to for hours. So without further ado, Michael Vincent. I've got a handful of questions I like to ask. And other than that, like the premise is really, and I think you've kind of gathered at this point from some of my stuff. It's just, it's really living on purpose. And, you know, how are you ensuring that when you get to the end, and here's, I want your opinion on this before we start, but, you know, so that when you get to the end, it's not, wasn't all wrong. You know, my Tolstoy quote, I love to uh, talk about, we were brainstorming names and we were thinking right map, wrong mountain. A right map. Wrong mountain. Okay, that's an interesting phrase. This is interesting for your viewers because I'm deaf. Right. And and I've had to reformat the way that I communicate online. So it's, it's a bit of a headache, but I'm still in the game in terms of how I try to express myself through Zoom relationships and online engagement and so forth. So basically, we've got the right map, but we're not quite sure we're heading in the right direction. I remember when you when we met on that Sunday, you left me with a very interesting question. And the question I remember was, what if the way that I lived life was all wrong or words to that effect? Yeah. This is great. Let's start right there because it made me realize something. As human beings, we're born into a game, but we weren't given the rule book on how the game's played. And right there, I knew for myself, I had to forgive my parents. Because as children, they were born into a game without a rule book. 
we are born into a context of life. Parents, upbringing, brothers, sisters, siblings, environment, extended family, school teachers, all of that, and all of the events that can happen in the life of an individual. And as kids growing up, we got to make sense of that roadmap. I find really interesting the natural functioning of the human brain is to make meaning out of stuff. And the meaning and interpretation we make up about the events of the game that we're born into has a massive impact on the quality of our lives. Since my mother died, I've been rewinding the tape and trying to connect the dots looking back to look at the person I have evolved into. I can't help it that my father wasn't around. I can't help it that my mother was the way that she was. She did the best she could as a single parent. And I made my choices in a world that occurred to me as a very hostile and violent place. Because when I was growing up, I was getting into a lot of fights, getting beaten up, fighting back, and then realizing that people are quite threatening and that I didn't feel safe or belong anywhere. So what saved my life, or should I say, what gave me an access to explore a different point of view about life? Magic. I became a magician. I went down the rabbit's hole because I figured, well, this is a cool place. Card tricks, great magicians, books, no DVDs, no internets during the 1970s. So I'm reading, I'm studying. I said, man, this is really something. Wow, I can take a deck of cards, Roddy. It occurred to me I can go anywhere in the world, go into a drugstore, buy a deck of cards, and start working on my own terms. I could take a deck of cards into a hotel, speak to the marketing people, say, hey, I'm in town for a few days. Do you have any entertainment in place that would be of benefit to your hotel and your, your guests? No, we don't. Well, listen, let me do a free show for you. And if you think this has a value, maybe we can negotiate a free room and maybe some food at the end of the day, maybe an intelligent fee of some kind. How old were you when you started? Well, I became attracted to magic and magicians when I was six years old, 1970. Right. I didn't start practicing sleight of hand until I was about 10 or 11. Funny enough, the film that inspired me was on television yesterday. So I was watching Paul Newman and Robert Redford in The Sting. Nice. Great film. Con men, grifters, card shark changed my life. And the reason why it changed my life, here was something that I was in control of. Here was something I could direct my thoughts and energies towards. And here was a place where I felt safe. Nobody was going to attack me. Nobody was going to threaten me. And if they did, I would say the magic words. Pick a card. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> How's that? That's a, a show, that's a show title right there. <laughs> yeah, that that's a that's a beautiful pattern interrupt, and I've used it on a number of occasions growing up. So, I wasn't born with the right map, but guess what? I became the architect of creating my own map. That's what I'm getting now. Wrong mountain. Let's look at that. Let's consider for a moment that the mountain is what it is. You've got Mount Everest. You've got Mount Kilimanjaro. And you've got the various Mont Blanc mountains in Europe and so forth. So, okay, well, what makes Mount Everest any different than the terrain of France? 
if you wanted to scale those high? Well, you just got to be prepared for them. Okay, fine. So the metaphor of right map, wrong mountain, what I'm, what I'm present to right now, I just love the fact that you dropped that bombshell on me. The fact that maybe the way you've lived life is all wrong. If there's one thing I would like to leave the world as a gift is the realization it's just a game. How we choose to play the game is in direct proportion to understanding the way things are right now. I didn't create the game the way that it is. So the question is, who do I need to become to survive this game and alter it? How am I going to alter this? How am I going to have an impact in a part of the world that's, gonna, that's currently at war? How am I going to have an impact on my community of magicians who are all struggling right now? How can I use my photography to paint a picture of life that's truly beautiful, but at the same time recognizes that there are social challenges? A beautiful, well-crafted photograph can communicate a narrative far better than words because you've got to deal with the impact of a child struggling to find food or a homeless person. And you've got to confront your own story about the paradox of what is beautiful versus what we consider ugly. I'm a big fan of Lao Tzu and the Tao Te Ching because he talks about this paradox where beauty is, then ugly must exist somewhere. So what he's saying right there is your point of view about what is beautiful is in contrast to what you may consider ugly. Get rid of that nonsense and just see things as they are without any attachment, any meaning. Oh, well, okay, here is a human being. How can I influence this situation? We are now at a point in human history where we are right in the midst of the revolution of the individual. This is my observation of social media. At no time in history have we seen such a massive explosion of, look at me, look at where I am, look at what I'm doing. And what does that narrative tell me? I could easily be on a beach drinking a fancy cocktail, sunning myself or whatever. No, I just do card tricks for a living and I post about my craft to my community. But I post it in such a way that it attracts hotels, it attracts people in business, on LinkedIn. If I share something about magic, I'm posting about rapport and engagement. Do your clients trust you? When you're in a negotiation, what is the difference that makes a difference when you're negotiating a big deal with a lot of money on the table? What are we really selling? Okay, what am I selling? I'm selling an ephemeral experience, astonishment. Okay, Michael, what makes your experience of magic different than, say, the next magician? Good question. That will be answered in direct proportion to how well you like me as a human being. Because at the end of the day, people buy people. Products and services come along for the ride. Well said. I was on uh, Jason Mark Campbell's show a month or two ago, it's called Selling with Love. And I've been in sales my whole life. And what I shared with him at the end of the show was that you're, you're never selling from here. And if you're listening, I'm pointing to my head, you're selling from here. You're selling from your, from heart, your heart. You know? and Absolutely. people know if you believe in your thing, you know, and that's something I've tried to get across. I speak in front of sales groups often, and it's 
you know, raise your hand if you're the best salesperson here. Oh yeah, they all they all raise their hand. When you view it as, say, you came to me and you're asking how we could work together, and I like to say I've got services from free to wickedly expensive. We have a conversation about whether or not we can help each other, and that what I have to offer will be of service to you. There is no selling. It's here's what I have. We're gonna dis- discover if that is a fit for you. If it's not. We're still friends. There's a big difference then to that than having some gimmicks and some silver tongue devil at your door selling a vacuum cleaner that you may or may not need. It's do you vacuum, not is this vacuum the best for you? I want to raise something here, okay, Roderick. There is something deeply disturbing going on right now between people. I've seen it, I've felt it, but I've not been able to distinguish it. I want to explore that right now. When two people meet, what's in the way? Because if you think about it, we're designed by Mother Nature to share, collaborate, create, irrespective of what tribe you belong to, black or white, different backgrounds. Park that. Let's just operate from the realm of the human spirit, the force energy that governs all of life. Let's use how we met as a classic example. I came across your profile. I thought, wow, flip-flop millionaire. What's going on here? Oh, this guy looks really interesting. The thought going on in my, in my head was, how can I use Instagram as a tool to educate myself about what's really going on? Who's the really interesting people using this platform to share something meaningful that can support humanity? You come across, follow, done. You message me. I responded. I'm a photographer, magician. I specialize in portraits. Boom. Mike, I'm going to be in London in a few days. Are you up for taking some photos of me? Of course I am. Done. Nothing in the way. This, whoever sees this video, I want them to get present to the beauty of what can happen when there's nothing in the way between a yes and a no. Mm-hmm. 15 minutes. That's all I needed. Within the next 30 minutes, I was at church. As soon as I got home, the images were on their way to you. Done. I remember laughing to myself because I thought, my God, it's that simple. And yet, why is it so complex to establish rapport and a level of trust and connection with another human being in today's world? Why is there so much cynicism and distrust between people? What are people really afraid of right now? Wrong map, wrong mountain. They don't know which way to turn. They don't realize they were born into a game and they don't really know how to play the game. They don't understand the true nature of love. Love is not a chemical going through the body. It's a choice and it's a decision to behave in a specific way towards something or someone you feel you care about and you behave in a loving manner. It's a verb which communicates or denotes an action of some kind that will be interpreted as a loving action, love language, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I remember replying to you. I said, Roddy, there is no accidents that you and I met. And here we are now having this conversation. Right map, right mountain. Why is it the right mountain? Because guess what? If we use that as a metaphor, this is my belief speaking now. Planet Earth is the most perfect self-governing 
self-regulating organism in the entire universe. It is so perfect. It has managed to develop a beautiful relationship between the sun and the moon, which sustains life on this little ball of rock and has done since the beginning of time. There's only one flaw in it. Earth's greatest parasite, right? Here's the beautiful thing. On our watch, on our watch right now, we can create a context for a generation of people coming up behind us to realize what a privilege it is to be alive on a ball of rock that's self-governing and self-regulating. Because let's consider the possibility that man eventually destroys himself. What's going to happen to planet Earth? I truly believe this ball of rock will simply start again because that's what the energy does. I'm going to share something with you. I've experienced three trips with ayahuasca. What felt like five minutes was five hours. And to say that it was perfect and blissful is an understatement because what happened was I was wide awake, but I had to keep my eyes closed because if I opened my eyes, it was just too bright. But with my eyes closed, I have never experienced such clarity and vision before. What did I see? I saw the perfection of everything since the beginning of time. And I saw how the force energy just wants to know itself. And what does it do? It creates. And we're part of that creative continuum. As part of that creative continuum, the energy wants to play. You plus me equals us. You could take a selfie of your phone, but you trusted a complete stranger to point a camera at you. And the results speak for themselves. So when I see your photo on your profile and that beautiful picture with the greenish background being used, that makes me so happy. I can't tell you. Why? Because whoever put that there thought, well, this looks good. I want that to promote you at your event. It's a thing of beauty. Very happy. So that force energy wants to know itself, expand itself, stretch itself. And if it can't, it just moves off to find a more fertile space in which it can manifest something right map we've got to learn how to write the map for ourselves and the best we can do is to teach those coming up behind us how to write the map how do we write the map what do you want where do you want to go what do you see what's your expression in the world okay now wrong mountain let's carve a path where one doesn't exist i remember something steve jobs said oh, we create Apple computers for people who don't even realize how creative they are. Isn't that beautiful? It really is. I'm thinking about our photo session. I don't believe in coincidence at all. My publisher had been asking for headshots the week prior. I asked a completely unrelated question to you. Hey, I'm starting this podcast. What topics? (laughs) You know, what one thing is holding you back, I think, was what I asked. And you shared about your mother passing and having to be her caretaker. It was a very vulnerable share for a stranger on the internet, which then I see your energy, right? The whole concept of namaste and where that comes from. Like I celebrate the energy in you. And so what are the chances that a week later, I'm going to be in London 
and that you're going to be available and that we're going to be able to have that chance. And I'm putting quotations up chance encounter. And I think what is captured to your point, being a photographer and that I could have taken a selfie or had Nicole take it or what have you, or another photographer. It was the energy you and I shared before we even met that's captured in those photos in that moment in London. And I don't, the same person with the same level of skill with the same camera is not going to be able to take that same photo because it's, it's the transfer of energy. Hey gang, it's Roderick and I hope you're enjoying today's show. What I've found as a lifelong entrepreneur and certainly in coaching other entrepreneurs around the world for the last 20 years is that we all pass through five phases on our business journey from the believer to the business Buddha. You need the first two, you want the last two, but sadly, most of us get stuck in the middle and start the cycle over, some of us forever. Knowing where you are reveals a clear path for where you need to go. I've created a free quiz that when answered honestly, will tell you where you currently are, but most importantly, will reveal your next steps. You can take the quiz right now at milliondollarflipflops.com forward slash quiz. This has taken me 20 years of in the trenches trial and error to develop, and it's designed to change the way you look at your business and your life forever. Are you the showman? Are you the anxious philosopher? Maybe you're the peaceful warrior. There's only one way to find out. Take the free quiz now at milliondollarflipflops.com forward slash quiz and see where you land. The results may shock you. Now back to the show. I have a question for you, shifting gears a little bit. Okay. What are your, and this is part of my opener in Austin, but what are your thoughts as it pertains to art and AI? This is perfect. Listen carefully. When I was on my trip with Ayahuasca, I saw a vision of Michelangelo carving the David. I saw clear, pristine vision of this little man, gigantic block of marble, doing this, walking around it, every angle, and then he starts chipping away. Turner, I read the book by Irving Stern, Agony and the Ecstasy. It took him four years, I think, to carve the block. It's so perfect, you can go see it in Florence. Fortunately, there's a marble copy in London at the Victorian Albert Museum. I go there often just to sit there and and relax and just marvel at it. Let's get present to the fact of what a human being created with his bare hands and the most rudimentary tools, a hammer and a chisel. He had the skill and he had the vision to release everything from the block that didn't match his vision. Let's talk about artificial intelligence. Without even realizing it, my Fuji cameras has a certain amount of AI technology built into the hardware. Because when I look through the the viewfinder, I can see the exposure before I hit the shutter. So there's very little guesswork. This is where it gets interesting. When I use my Nikon camera, the camera that I used to photograph you, I had no immediate feedback on the exposure, but I had to trust my relationship to the way the light was falling on your face. That's why I said you move against this background because I liked the way the light was coming in at an angle. Boom. 
that's the image that was shown on the website. If that image did not match what I saw in my mind and my ability to adjust the exposure, artificial intelligence would have told me I would have been underexposed or overexposed, and I could have corrected it in camera. But I've been studying photography since 2012. Cartier-Bresson was right. He said, your first 10,000 images will be your worst. Didn't Malcolm Gladwell say something similar in Outliers? That's right. But Brisson said it first, back in the 50s. 10,000 hours just to learn the craft. And what was he talking about? Understanding the quality, direction, and behavior of where the light's falling. And then learning to adjust the camera settings real time and knowing you've got the shot, not digital, but on film. Because every frame costs money. AI is an extraordinary technology. I saw some videos that blew my mind, whereby somebody on Photoshop was typing in blue sky. And by golly, a blue sky appeared on the screen of a computer. Okay, blue sky, ocean, boom. Give me a lighthouse and some rocks in the foreground. And the computer did it. My thoughts are, there's no credit to the guy sat at the computer creating this image whatsoever. No credit. Because the computer's doing all the work. You're just telling it what to do. Take a camera in your hand and go wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning. Go down by the ocean and wait for sunrise and choose the right moment as the sun rises. Not completely, but you've got the golden hour. And it's casting light on the ocean, that beautiful color. And you can see the light caressing the landscape. And the ocean takes on a beautiful hue of orange and blue. And if you're lucky, you might see a little bit of purple magenta on the horizon. Take the shot. Let's see how close you were. That's photography. That's when an individual masters the craft. Why? Because you don't know what the light's going to give you. All there is is light. If you are in London right now, excuse my language, the weather sucks. It's gray clouds. It's cold. But it's still good photography because at least I can communicate the mood. Black and white, oppressive. I can still create something and write a narrative about it. So AI is here to stay. Now, the question is, how can we use it to our advantage? At the moment, I can't give you an answer. All I can see is the wizardry of technology slowly replacing what would take an individual 10,000 hours to learn, to understand, and eventually master. I can tell you one thing. AI will never be able to fan a deck of cards as smoothly as I can or, <laughs> or, or, or deal a royal flush. <laughs> I think it's really interesting what you say about capturing that image. And I think for me, it's back to that transfer of energy. When Michelangelo made David, his energy went into that block. If a machine does it, it's not the same transfer, and you have to believe in that transfer of energy. So for me, I don't know that true art is ever replaced because it eliminates the human element of it. And you asked at the start of the show, what, what is the thing in between us, 
right? That's creating this divisive society. It's that we don't transfer energy in the way that we used to, even digitally, like you and I are now. It's different than when we met in London. We may say the same words. I may be able to see your eyes, but it's different. A part of me wishes I was in the room chatting to you and it was being filmed. Likewise. However, (laughs) I can tell you, and I say this with no ego, I'm grateful to my work as a magician because I've done a lot of television work since 1982. And I've become very comfortable in front of a camera. I can speak to the camera and almost like Liberace project myself into someone's home so they can feel my presence right where they are through the camera. It's funny that because in the fifties, when television became a big deal, Liberace was the personality that people warmed to because he had that charisma and projection. He would look, play a little wink in the eye. Okay. Tinkling away. I can imagine the audiences really ate that up big time. Nat King Cole, all of these people. So the exchange of energy that just goes back to what I experienced. There's you, there's me. And now there's us. Okay. Let's play naturally like kids. Oh my goodness. Mother Aya showed me some visions like you wouldn't believe. And I just realized the most natural exponents of this exchange of energy is children before they learn otherwise when there's nothing in the way. Absolutely. I, I write that in the book in one of the later chapters about children are born so pure and they're, they think they can do anything. And as adults, we just get this crust built around us that makes us think we can't. And there's nothing stopping us from doing most things. And you need to begin to think again like a child in order to win the adult game that we are a part of. I can tell you, Rodin, I have no problem sharing this because I think I think it's relevant. My psychology went through a roller coaster when I did the landmark forum. I loved the education so much. I stayed six years doing different programs. And it was like just an onion. Okay, Mike, we're going to peel back this layer. And now we're going to go a bit deeper. Don't be afraid. Just look and see. What can you see? My God, I was a real arsehole right there. Okay, what did you learn about yourself while I was being slippery? Is that the magician speaking? No, that's the little boy speaking that didn't want to get beaten up, that wanted to belong. But I projected an image of power, but it came across as intimidating. And and it triggered a big fight and an upset that I wish I could go back and fix. So I got to visit all of these scenarios in my life. And I kept peeling back until there was nothing left to peel back. All there was was just this big empty space of nothing. I remember my course teacher saying to Mike, now that the space has opened up, what can you create? I said, well, right now, I don't want to create anything. He said, what do you mean? He said, you know what? That empty space, is, it feels perfectly normal to fill it up with stuff. And I had a visceral experience of what I just said last December when I watched my mother take her last breath. A space had opened up that was once filled with her love, no longer there. And it's now 10 months 
And I'm going to be honest, I could easily have distracted myself going out, hanging out with friends, whatever. You know what? I decided I didn't want to do that. I just said, Michael, make friends with that empty space. So I'd go out, do what I got to do, come home, sit quietly. I've hardly watched television this year. I'm in my apartment on my own in the big space of nothing. Guess what? It's become a very friendly space. Very friendly. In fact, I love it. And in the space of silence, and plus the fact that I'm deaf, I take my hearing aids off, and it's just quiet. I shuffle. I practice. Edit my images. Think. Sit quietly. Ideas come into my head. And now I'm approaching the anniversary of my mother's death. It was her birthday in September. What did I do? I went to my local cafe and had a nice breakfast by myself. What am I going to do on December the 6th? Nothing. I'm going to drink a glass of champagne and toast my mother and enjoy a quiet, peaceful day. That's it. And I decided for myself, I'm not inviting anybody into this space of peace that doesn't already have peace within them. Because when they come here, peace is all they're going to find. And if they want to bring noise, I'll ask them to leave. No problem. No, we talk a lot about finding your tribe. And especially when you start to do this kind of work where you do sit in silence, you ask those questions without distracting yourself. And personally, I have found it difficult. Two things. to one, understand that there's people I'm going to leave behind. And then there's people that are going to leave me behind because they are more evolved on their journey than I am. But understanding that each of those people played a role in my development and then basically wishing them a silent blessing and I'm on my way. As a teacher, it's hard to, not everybody is going to get it and not everybody can come. And I tell people that all the time when they want to work with me, here's what I offer. You may or may not be prepared for it. And that's okay. But I I can't make you do anything. What I have to say in my life's lens may not be for you. And that's okay. And I think if more of us came at every encounter with that mentality, here's what I have to offer. It may be a fit, it may not. And as I evolve, whether that's a fit is going to change. So how do you reconcile that? Here's the question. How do you reconcile that with your immediate group, your lifelong friends, your family, the people who may not be at the same stage of the journey as you are? The one thing that comes to mind is to simply tell the truth, no matter what. They need to hear it. And they also need to know that if they don't agree with it, it's okay. Because don't forget, over there with them, is a whole narrative about stuff. And my truth has to filter through the layers to get to the point where the truth can be heard and felt. That's the first point. Reconcile. Compassion. Because let's not lose sight of the fact they too were born into a game and they don't know how to play it 
and they've made up their own rules about how the game should be played as far as they're concerned. Hey, you want to play my game? No, I'm not. I'm playing my own game. But here's my truth. Yeah, well, you go live your truth. That's what the narrative looks like. Relationship breaks down. Reconcile. Over here with me, compassion for everybody. Compassion for the fact that none of us know what the real game is. But we're all living and playing a game of our own making and climbing our own mountains. Some mountains a little bigger or smaller than others. Okay, that's fine. I'm approaching 60 and only now I'm realizing it's okay to be on my own and not be lonely. So the reconciliation for me is understanding that where I stand as a possibility is to be the voice of truth, no matter what. Now, my truth may be violently opposed. It will be maybe ridiculed. It may even become self-evident at some point down the road. But at the moment that I honestly express myself, be prepared for whatever may come back at me. Part of the reconciliation is to be committed without attachment to the outcome. Because as much as we want the people in our lives to come on board, guess what? They're not connected to us. And whatever thoughts and feelings they may have about how the relationship occurs for them, it might be different to the way the relationship occurs for me. If there's one thing I'm noticing right now, the truth isn't often heard or felt or experienced as it could be. It's heard, definitely. But guess what's on the other side of that hearing? The meaning-making machinery that turns the truth into a very complex narrative of nonsense. This has been my observations with a lot of people. I had a girlfriend, beautiful, right now. A part of me feels, if I could go back in time, what would I fix? Because I left. I would have taken a better stand for my self-expression and the truth rather than allow myself to be molded into what she wanted. Because guess what happened? My volcano exploded. Yeah. The volcano explodes when there's an implosion of the natural spirit and the energy doesn't want to share and mix anymore. And I've spent the last 10 years of my life realigning myself with me and the natural energy that governs everything. That's why I'm not trading that for anything, for anyone. I think that leads well into my last question, which is what do you do every day so that you know you're living on purpose and that you may be on the right mountain? I'll share a story with you, which is quite relevant right now. Last Friday, one of my mentors died. His name was Darwin, Darwin Ortiz. One of the world's greatest sleight of hand magicians, authors, and he is the last of the great heroes that I was able to spend time with. Because when I was a boy studying, his name came up on my radar. I thought, wow, I'm going to meet this man one day. And I did. And we enjoyed 20 years of solid friendship. And over the weekend, I was just asking myself, Mike, how am I going to use Darwin's teachers moving forward? I'm committed to leaving my craft better than I found it. So every day, I'm focused on being grateful for my life, being grateful for what I have, 
my commitment to my students and my audiences, whenever I step out in front of a live audience, that's heaven. And I want my audience to feel my joy of being in heaven. Come, let's play. I accept nothing less. True story, three weeks ago, there's a man to my left. I had not quite experienced this before, but I know I have. That's why it felt familiar. This man just gave me a passive aggressive energy throughout my entire performance. So I called him Mr. Passive Aggressive, but I refused to give in. I kept projecting my joy and energy, my truth. Your question, what do I do every day? Every minute, in every moment that I find myself, I want to be in a space of truth. This man cracked a smile right at the end of my performance. And I thought, my goodness, I feel sorry for you. It took you 30 minutes to crack a smile. And now you're going to go home with what you left with. What I felt pleased about was that I didn't allow his mood to impact mine. But I learned something. My energy, my joyful, loving, spiritual energy is far more powerful than any passive aggressive energy that may come at me. How do I know? Because my ex was a passive aggressive. And in certain cases, so was my mom. I understand that cold vibe, that silent treatment, that closed off body language. So every day to get slightly, well, religious, no, let's say spiritual. Thank you for another day to love, create, and make a difference. And may the living force guide my thoughts, my behavior, and my actions so that I could leave a little piece of heaven somewhere for someone and myself. Gratitude. Yes, gratitude. I tell you something. I think it comes from Desirata, that beautiful poem by Herman. I'm a child of the universe, no less. I got a thing for butterflies and beetles, because when I look at these tiny creatures, I thought, my goodness, the living force, it doesn't play favorites. It creates beauty everywhere. And as a photographer, I see it. That's it, my friend. Every performance I give, I want my audience to leave my show with the feeling that magic might be real. What they're really experiencing is what I experienced when I took ayahuasca, high consciousness, really beautiful. That's where children live. And the imagination is so vivid. And part of my journey in this realm is integration. There's the word. I'm integrating what I've learned. And the insights that come down was like downloading. I'm integrating into my life. I just love that equation because I wrote it in my notebook. You plus me equals us. And how do I know that? I see it in the photographs that I created of you. Because every photo I take is a self-portrait. I love that. I love that. There's something in the mix for you and I, Michael. We don't know what it is yet. Thanks so much for the call today. I really appreciate it. I had a lot of fun. And I know that you. everyone's going to get a lot of value out of everything you have to say. Thanks very much, Roddy. And just keep me posted on what's showing up, okay? I'll do it. Cheers, man. Okay. We'll talk soon. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Million Dollar Flip Flop Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform that you listen on. 
If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with your friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links in the description of this episode. If you want to see more behind the scenes with Roderick and his guests, be sure to find them on Instagram. It's also where we can have deeper conversations on these episodes. It's where we hang out in between episodes. Go to www.instagram.com forward slash million dollar flip flops. Until next time.